What's poppin' Power on Podcast? Welcome back to another episode. Join with Michael and Kai. Kai, say hello. Hello. We are joined today with Reg Lee, who is a business information security officer. So we just finished recording the main bulk of the podcast, and what Reg talked about was a lot of things related to cybersecurity, the industry of cybersecurity, and what you can do as a student who wants to study cybersecurity or computer science and then move into his career yeah and he also mentioned multiple things like his startup job and like his job at ee which is known as t-mobile and also one-to-one and like some of like the challenges he's faced in his career up to now one of the challenges he has faced in his career up to now is that he is blind he has accessibility issues and he talks about how the companies he's worked with has accommodated and along with technology and how technology has become more accessible and helped him complete his job even though he is blind. So before we get on to the main bulk of the podcast, uh, Michael's going to talk to me about the new Apple announcement since I haven't actually got a chance to have a look at it yet. Yep, so there has recently been, for those who don't know, an Apple event and that happens I think twice a year, once in autumn time, once in spring or summertime. And the autumn one just rolled around. I think actually instead of autumn, it's September. But we have some new iPhones. So we have iPhone 14, iPhone 14 Pro. We also have Apple Watch Series 8, Apple Watch Ultra, Apple Watch SE, AirPods Pro 2, um, new software updates with iOS, and some other announcements which are irrelevant. So, we... It sounds sounds big. It does sound big. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the iPhone 14. So, iPhone 14 models now offer additional battery life. I mean, no surprise. Oh, even nice. though even yeah. though iPhones are trash with battery, like, my one runs out True. super quick. Um, something funny I did uh, see was when one of the announcement videos, they mentioned... Um, uh, because... But it's like something like buy an iPhone because iPhones are meant to last or like built to last. And it's like, yeah. and it's like, the thing is, like, after a few months after I get my iPhone, the battery life just degrades instantly. Um, and I know that's like a reoccurring issue. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, another thing we have is Apple removes the SIM card tray on all iPhone 14 models. What do you make oh. of that? I don't know. I feel like there's another. It's quite like a minor thing, but I feel like it has like a big impact still. Mm-hmm. Apple. Okay, so this is one of the big things. Apple has announced the emergency satellite feature. So I will briefly explain what it is because I watched some videos about this last night. So imagine you're in a remote location and you've had an accident, maybe you've broken your leg or there's an injury, but you have no data. What this feature on your phone does is it connects you to a satellite and you point it towards the satellite and it can call emergency services and give them yeah give them your location so they can locate you and get you the help even if you have no data so what do you think of that feature okay uh well i think it's like a very handy feature i think it'll obviously hopefully definitely be utilized well mm. um, but i think yeah i think it's a smart concept yeah, and yeah hopefully yeah. it's executed well and yeah, hopefully it's like really buggy well. laggy thing yeah on top of that they have also another feature, which is like a car crash feature, right? So you, they they advertise as like using complex gyroscopes and blah blah. blah. But essentially, if you oh, get into wow. a, yeah, essentially if you get into a car crash yeah. and you don't respond, 
they will automatically call the emergency services. So, well, I mean, you can see, I guess the, this update was kind of safety heavy or those two yeah. features at least led to a more like safety direction for iPhone. I feel like that might be a little, like a little bit iffy because if you think about it, if you're in a car crash mm-hmm. and like, yeah, there's like other people around, you're probably, the first thing you're not going to do is like check your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like help other people and stuff. So it might be slightly full order in that regard. Yeah, 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 that's true. It relies on you to opt out of calling the emergency service instead of you calling them yourself. I guess, though, it could save lives, which is, you know... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is obviously important. <laughs> that is obviously important. Um, another feature is the dynamic island. So you know how on the newer iPhones, they have at the top, um, it's kind of like the... I think it's called like the notch. People have been calling it the notch. Yeah. Where it's like where your speaker is and your front-facing camera is. So they've replaced yeah. that now with an kind of like an island. People are labelling it. I've seen like people talking online like, oh, great, Apple just made a taskbar. It's basically like a taskbar. Um, and Apple, and I quote, ongoing background activities like maps, music, or a timer remain visible and interactive. And third-party apps in iOS 16 that provide information like sports scores and ride-sharing with live activities can take advantage of the dynamic island. So if you listen to music, you can just like chuck it into the taskbar and then like once you're on taskbar, dynamic island, I mean, but it's basically a taskbar. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what do you think? I mean, I think it's, you know, obviously cool, but I don't really, I don't know, this might just be, I'm not like 100% sure on like everything you can do, but I don't really see the need, like for your music, it comes up like yeah. as a big square when you turn your phone on. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, like, I feel like I think something I heard, I did hear something about this, about like Bluetooth compatibility. So take like the charger on your Apple, like AirPods or whatever, or like your Apple watch when you connect them. Mm. But again, it, there's already like a drop down that tells you that. Yeah. yeah when exactly. you join. Exactly. But I mean, you know, it could be nice. Another thing on my screen. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to find, wait, wait, wait. basically yeah, I'm on the thingy. Uh, the pro there's like this it's like a dim light screen lock thingy or something like that yeah what's it called apples you can talk about that because i have like i could talk about like my battery life man won't handle that yeah so there's a yeah so the iphone 14 pro has a unique feature to it which is an always on display which doesn't turn off when it's not in use so they use a new low power mode to make the battery life last longer and the screen is always is always on right and then they have like important notification and i assume it's like widgets and things on the front of the lock screen and that's always on so yeah what do you think about your lock screen always being on with some like notifications being displayed for basically anyone to see i mean again it's kind of like the same as like the island thing that you could like taskbar it might it might be cool but ultimately it is useless yeah. And I generally, like, Apple, as you've mentioned it already, their battery life skills aren't top-notch. Yeah, yeah, So, um, you know, I'm hoping that this won't absolutely drain battery yeah, yeah. life if it's on all day. Like, I don't know. I feel like Apple are just going a bit too extra now. Yeah. Like, you don't always need to see your screen on. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you just lift your phone up, yep. the screen turns on anyway, exactly. like, from, like, some sensor or something. 
So just it always being on is a bit much. Yeah, doesn't seem necessary. Yeah, mm. yeah but like I, it might be cool. Do you think Apple are running out of ideas? I don't know. I feel like there's still like a lot they can do. So like you know more like augmented reality stuff. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like you know Apple don't hate me. But I feel like this might be like not like a cash grab, but it's like ooh ooh. Hot take. Um, it's, it's just it's just like more stuff that you don't need. Just mm-hmm. that, like probably a ridiculous more price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we know like a price for iPhone 14? Yeah. Um. Let me pull it up right now. iPhone 14 Pro yeah, okay. will start at nine hundred ninety nine dollars, and the bigger model starts yeah. at one thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Like yeah, I feel like. So that's for the Pro. You know, right? I have yeah, like I have an iPhone 12. It's like a it's a very nice phone, fairly expensive. I don't see anything wrong with it mm-hmm. or why I need the screen to be on 24-7 or like yeah. a little island thing. But yeah, that's just that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think the only difference between the Pro and the... So the 14 Pro and the and the just the 14, in my opinion... Camera. Is just the camera, yeah. I mean, the camera's really yeah. cool, obviously. The cameras are always yeah. really high they quality. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They yeah. always bang the camera quality, right? Like, they always do that really well. But, yeah, these features are a bit unnecessary, I'd Much. say. Yeah. yeah. And the way they advertise it, the way they get around it, and the way these Apple fans kind of argue against it they're like well you know that's why it's on the pro you know like th- these are professional professional people yeah. use it like if people say well you don't really need that good of a camera but like yeah the average person probably doesn't need some 4k i think it was like a 4k 24 frames per second which yeah, is like the um it's crazy, yeah. that's that's uh studio level right or cinema level but like yeah a- am i gonna be is the average person gonna be making s- studio level films on their phone yeah know? It's, it's kind of like yeah. that. And I guess that's why there's the market. The market for the Pro, people who buy the Pro and people who buy the, the, just the iPhone 14 is completely separate. It's tailored towards it's professionals. Based on camera, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's yeah. tailored towards professionals who need like the processing power to edit for, like edit 4K video on the go. Like the market for those people. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not for like the normies of society. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to kind of say um do you know anything about this apple watch ultra that you mentioned because i know they've announced a series 8 and an ultra yeah let me have a look at this ultra real quick um which i don't you know apple unveils like that might be another thing yeah apple apple unveils apple watch ultra with large screen design for athletes and explorers it's priced at 799 dollars and available to order today ahead of september 23rd launch hands-on images of a first look okay well i'm just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, um, hold on. I'm looking at the price of the Series 8. Yeah. And... Actually, no, it depends on, like, straps and stuff. But it looks, for, like, a normal strap, it looks around 419 mm. So some of the new things that I've seen they've added... Unless that's just a strap, then that's crazy. And I think it is just a strap. Oh, my God. That's such an Apple... £419 for a strap, yeah. That's crazy. It's <laughs> so crazy. Literally. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the new sensor in the Series 8 measures the wearer's wrist temperature every 5 seconds overnight and can alert the user to shift in their baseline temperature throughout the health app, which could result from exercise, jet lag or illness. The body temperature sensor enables retrospective ovulation estimates and estimates of cycle deviation. 
Damn. The new... That is cool, but do you, people wear their Apple Watch to sleep? I guess I feel like the, Yeah. I, actually, I'm... Yeah, I kind of retract that. I'm sure many people do. Yeah. But... I feel like, well, yeah, why is it taking the temperature every five seconds? Like, think about how much... Unless you're on the topic of cybersecurity as well. Think about how much of that data is just being, like, taken... I mean, obviously, it's not, like, super important data. Yeah. Well, this brings into but... the... Yeah, this brings into the ethics of whole, like, wearable technology, right? Like, yeah. this stuff is getting so much data farmed from you to, like, your heartbeat, temperature, all of this data, which is so personal, and also including health-related data, that... Yeah, it could pose a massive risk if it was breached by a hacker or your data was breached. So yeah. that is something to think about as well. But, uh, so, Michael, on the first episode, we did talk about your coding journey. Lovely. Has there been any improvements or changes in that yet? Uh, yeah, no. So I have been very busy, you know, this summer. And between recording the first episode and recording this episode, I've done, like, two problems from Project Euler. But nice. apart from that, not much. But I do have plans to continue, and I will be continuing. Next episode, you will see me have progressed. Without further ado, we bring you the main bulk of the podcast with Regulee, our cybersecurity guest. He's a business information security officer, and we hope you enjoy so welcome reg to the power on podcast we are joined with reginald lee who is a business information security officer and has worked with many companies such as aviva and kpmg reg why don't you tell us what you do and how would you describe what you do <laughs> thank you very much michael um so i um as you say i'm a business information security officer it's quite a grand title but basically i work as a sort of security and conscience person in within the company to make sure that people um, follow the rules and protect the company I work for um, from um, security incidents really and, you know, making sure they, they do the right thing follow the things that protect ourselves from um, being hacked or from um, you know doing uh, stealing data mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that's, you go yeah there you go on. yeah I think that's like very interesting what would you maybe say is like the biggest liability you see in your field kind of well um that's a good question you know the we've seen it before where companies have been hit by um ransomware you know with the ukraine um and russia war um going on you know there's been a lot of um attacks against uh, companies sometimes um, spurious um, attacks which is not not specifically targeted just you know malware and, and um, attacks being put out there uh, in general to all the way down to focused attacks um, I think recently this week there was a someone had broken into and stole sort of missiles um, blueprints you know from oh, a, wow. a NATO um, yeah a NATO um, supplier you know, so one of the the private companies, so you know, things like that can really break a firm in in terms of um, what they do. You know, if if all your secrets are out, what's the point of you know? And and, and also there are other competitors who would, um, you know, come, um, you know, who who could do the similar job, and therefore, and and so it's really a differentiator these days as to how well you protect, um, 
you know your 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 own sort of company data and clients data yeah yeah, yeah. so you know you, you're, you're basically you know companies have been wiped out but even then you know it just it's an everyday occurrence so um i think recently um the health um you know the nhs have been attacked and you know hospitals uh, cannot operate cannot run you know imagine you know a complex operation like a hospitals all the way from the inpatient outpatient system all the way through to the nurses doctors rosters um, everything is all online these days if you take away the computer yeah exactly. you know, would they even know how to how to do anything they'll have to write prescriptions or something you know and, and it's all interlinked as well so you know the prescription system um, in, a, in a hospital would be um, interlinked so that the doctor doesn't even write anything now he just sends it from the computer straight to the, the pharmacist yeah. you turn up with a pharmacy you pick it up but if that system's broken you know the pharmacist when they order stuff you know when they dispense it the system treats track of what's been used and therefore reorders mm-hmm. yeah know, that 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 helps so i mean the more our um you know our lives go online the higher the the risk of disruption and the more important you know cyber security is really do you think it's dangerous that everything is so on on online based everything is all the databases for even like medicine as you said like pharmacies when they reorder um goods it's all online do you think that could be dangerous or do you think it's mostly advantageous um, so the the job that you know people like me have been hired to do is to um, help the the systems continue to be you know online. There are so many benefits. Um, I mean, you guys are probably too young to remember, but you know, the, in the, before the internet, you know, everything just took a lot longer to do. You know, you'd have to wait for the post to to appear before you could do something. You know, when you when you were um, being paid you know you you had to wait um five days before the the money would appear in your bank you know yeah, yeah. Uh, th- so th- those things you know it what the internet has done is make everything a lot faster to to do this just that wait time has become milliseconds mm-hmm. and so it's not a case it's not really an option you know there is basically um you can you know switch to paper pencil for a little while but actually you still need to go back electronically and yeah. how do you do that robustly and securely you know um, the way quite a few people in my industry talk about it is that you know security is like the brakes in a formula one car to help you go faster you know businesses want to go faster and faster and deliver t- services um, whether it's healthcare banking you know even amazon you know they, yeah. they do want to just deliver quicker and um yeah and and, and the security teams in there um you know and, and all the all the little things that that you know sometimes you might go ah oh, this is a hassle to you know to set up or this uh, it's it's all about um but protecting you um you know f- or protecting the, the someone from impersonating you mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. how would you get into your field and like kind of what advice would you give to like aspiring students and other people that would like to get into your field yeah, that, that's a, a great question. Um, so there are quite a few, I mean, j- just to give you a feel for the, the, the whole sector, you know, we are probably um, a shortage of um, a million people in the workforce in cybersecurity. You know, it's a great field to get into. It's And because of that shortage of skilled individuals, 
um, what you'll find is that the salaries are going to be high, right? If you know, if there's a supply and demand, I know Michael's doing economics. Yep. <laughs> you know, so you know, you you bring this all into play and say, well, you know, it's um, it's a scarce skill. There's not enough people, therefore, people pay a lot of money for uh, cybersecurity skills. Um, there's a, you know, the, the many universities now are starting to run actual cybersecurity courses. Yes. Um, I was yeah. actually, you know, in 93, when I did my, when I came, when I was a graduate, you know, I um, actually came out of university. My first degree was computer science and statistics. And I looked around and it was recession. So similar to now, really. Um, and, you know, you, you're like, well, do I go into work or do I go do a year's doing a master's? I looked around and at that time, Raw Holloway um, was one of the first um, universities to do a master's. And um, it was the second year they ran that course. Um, the first year they had 15 students. The, sec the year I went in, there was 30. And now I think it's, you know, a couple of hundred in the master's mm -hmm. course and 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 they've they've you know they've um modernized it over time now so it's cyber security it there's a bit of forensics in there as well you know they train people ready to to come out and work and and um certainly i've you know kept in touch with Rob holloway and, and um we've looked at um you know how they sort of partnered with industry as well to um give those students um some you know time in the business as well so they're, they're quite strong with partnership with the business and i think most other universities are starting to do that. i think warwick and kings i think are, yeah um, are certainly warwick are, are, are partnering and i see i've seen a few london universities as well starting to do that yeah as well i mean when we whether they set it as sorry sorry so um not only are they um sort of dedicated cyber security um, um graduate courses but they are also um those who are not dedicated, uh, it's usually a module, you know, a, a solid module within it now because you just can't get away from it. You know, when, when people are coding or when people are just, um, you know, designing systems, even AI, you know, the, 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 it, there's a lot of crossover. Mm -hmm. Now, I was going to say that when Kai and I were looking at multiple universities, we did come across multiple cybersecurity courses. Yeah. And we... Mm -hmm. We had a look at those and I know during my research I realized that a lot of the computer science courses have cybersecurity elements and modules within those as well. So it kind of goes to show how cybersecurity is becoming um becoming more ingrained. Ingrained, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it needs to be integrated and built from the, the ground up because it's quite expensive to try and, you know, retrofit something. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, you um so if you think of, you know, your house or, you know, so that's something that people understand, or even um a, a car, you know, when you want to put in the security features after say you know if the car doesn't have an alarm system and you want to put in an alarm you know it's just always um suboptimal you know you see the wiring or people you know the, the ways around it yeah um so yeah it, it's it's always good to you know design it from the ground up then therefore you can even avoid um you know security blunders yeah yeah and while we're on the topic of your um your education <laughs> your pre-universities <laughs> and things uh, how important do you think for your job uh, that studying, I guess you mentioned you did computer science and statistics, does the statistics side of your degree, what you studied, come into your job a lot or not much? 
So that's interesting. So um, I think with all these things is how you apply what you learn. Uh, so what you learn at university, you know, is um, take statistics. You know, you, you learn like normal distribution, you learn probability, yeah. you may learn game theory. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so these are some of the elements you might even learn it at A level. Um, but what happens then is, is whether you find a way to use it in later life. Right. So um, when we are doing at the moment, you know, when we're looking at a project, say someone's developing a mobile app, a mobile banking app. Um, so I, I was in, I worked um, for what's now NatWest Group. Um, oh, wow. And we were involved in a in a mobile banking app there, you know. And uh, yes, I do use my own app, you know, that I, when I was working there. So, um, you know, I, I basically trusted the work that I did, um, and, and therefore, you know, I I do use the the software. And so, um, for me, it's vitally important, right? If I'm going to be using this software, that I want to be sure that it's secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things we do use is we look at uh, threat modeling. So, you know. Um, What's the probability of someone attacking this through, say, um, a compromised device? Uh, what's the risk? So all of that is factored in. So knowing statistics, knowing how probability works, um, both the different types of um, analysis, uh, such as um, you know numerical, um, as well as sort of um, uh, oh, one of them is quantitative and one of them is qualitative. Yeah. So qualitative is basically, you know, based on the sort of words like high, medium, low, whereas a qualitative, I think it's where it's a number, you know, from naught to one as a percentage, um, as, as a sort of fraction. So, you know, you and, and so there are different types of ways of, of risk assessments that you can do in different methodologies. So it's, it's and just knowing how statistics work. Um, game theory, you know, if you're thinking about um, how you design the app and also, um, you know, how like an attacker would, would approach an attack. These are all things that you can get your head into the space of the attacker and try and work out. Um, you know solutions also in my masters you know when I, we did like uh, zero knowledge protocols things like that where um, how do you prove someone is the person they are uh, without sending the password over the air you know it's almost like you ask them a series of questions um, and the, when they give you the answer all they send back is the answer um, oh, okay. and and then by you know probably it's almost like flipping a coin right if you get the answer correct five times the probability of um, that answer being random or you know being someone guessing it is um, very low yeah even though it doesn't sound like it so that that's sort of, there's sort of theories like that that you're taught and you can try and apply it or you know try and work it into um, what you're you're doing day to day so I think the, the foundation is all there it's just how do you apply it today yeah okay yeah so you you, you explain that it, de- it depends how you apply it essentially and yes it's, it's up to i think it's up to the individual to see the you know what they learned um of course you know if i if i then went on and did graphics design um i think like your previous podcaster you yeah. know it probably would be no <laughs> got a lot mm. of a crossover between you know the, the bits that i did um unless i uh, actually, one of the other master's courses I was looking at was graphics design, mm-hmm. actually. Oh, so well, it was nice. interesting to to, uh, to to hear the the previous um, speaker. And then kind of like what previous jobs helped you build up experience and kind of like make you more interested in the field of cybersecurity? Um, I, so I, I went straight into, uh, from graduating, 
um, oh, straight right. into um, yeah into a small consultancy house which um, trained me to be a junior consultant so it was a small consultancy what what that meant um is that i had to do everything because there was no you know, it was like you know you are the general um helper for all the projects that they they sold so i did a bit of business continuity i did a bit of risk assessment work all under supervision and that i learned so much you know it's a bit like um in a and e you know when the junior doctors they do oh, yeah. like a cup a cup you know you just see so much variety as the junior member of staff at that level mm-hmm. and and there are um sort of you know and there are um, partners in the business, um, yeah, partner in the consultancy business who actually helped explain uh, things to me, and even to this day, you know, I I feel really grateful that I had the, that I started in a small company because then I learned so much from you know there was not many layers between me and and the partners who who I sat next to and watched them deliver, you know, uh, to clients and and how they spoke, how they the the, the professionalism that they they had. Yeah, um, when they were in front of you know customers, really. So you th- greatly benefited, you think, from starting out a smaller company, and you, g- you could get a, kind of taste everything before specialising. Exactly, exactly. And then, so after you moved on from there, from that workplace, where did you, where did you level up? So, to? yeah, yeah, no, so that's a good question. Um, so I level up um, so i was put in as a consultant as a junior consultant into what is now ee um, Ooh, so oh, yeah. it was it was called one-to-one in those days and, and then it became t-mobile um, i and it was during the mobile phone explosion you know um, when um, they had half a million customers and i was only there two years and um, they had seven million customers by the time i left mm-hmm. in oh, two wow. years so yeah and, and so you know you, the actual like learning curve around that it was the average age of the staff was in the 20s you know it's very young yeah. vibrant organization um it was and I, I was brought in as um the sort of information security business continuity person I, it was i was about 25 i think it was at that age you know and um what was so i had trained you know in the consulting so i had lots of experience from seeing other companies and i was actually in there trying to help them with their business continuity plan and uh, they liked me so much they made me an offer um, to join them and um, you know at 25 years old um, it was a very flattering offer and I owned a nod because I wasn't sure um, I wanted to stay in a single company at a time. Yeah. And then they, they they threw in and they said, oh, and we'll give you a company car at that time. Okay. Which was, well, you've got to yeah, take it then. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I came home, talked to my wife, and then we were like, yeah, well, well, well you, you better take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, and it was a, it was a huge pay rise. It was about 50 something percent pay rise wow. on top of my previous wow. job. So, you know, how could you not take mm-hmm. it? Right. Yeah. I, I, I stood there when the guy made me the offer and I said, I thought to myself, you know, if I turn this down, you know, it would take me four or five years before I get the, the same money and the same package this guy is offering, you know, so I, 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 I accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it was and, and really never looked back you know was this at the same company two. or a different one this offer oh this was at ee yeah, oh, this okay, was okay. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It, was, it was amazing mm-hmm. yeah it was a, it was an amazing time i really enjoyed it you know that's when you because you work for the mobile phone company you were given like little you you had 
you know, you could go and talk to the handset guys in, in mm-hmm. the department and, you know, get the free, the latest handsets that came through yeah. on the, on the, you know, and um, this is all before Apple phones, but, you know, you had like little StarTech phones, which was like the, the flip phones of, of the, um, from, from, you know, Star Trek, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was just, yeah, it was amazing. So two follow-up questions on that, actually. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, what is your view when you're starting out? Because you say you were young when you were at, uh, T-Mobile EE. Mm. What is your view on staying at the company for a longer period of time, or do you recommend switching between companies or not staying at a company for too long? That's the first one. And second of all, um, since you were young, do you have any stories about, or do you, do you have any any moments where that you found challenging or interesting that you'd never encountered before while working there? Especially maybe since you were young, it kind of became as a shock to you right so let's take the first one first and if you just remind me what that so staying was. at a company or do you recommend right. switching and going elsewhere yeah so i've had a bit of both uh, in my career now so far so um so that first the hardest thing is always get your first job because how do you get your first job if you've got no experience right yeah so that's the hardest thing so if you're going to uni or you, you know, try and get a sandwich course where you can get experience uh, in my master's um, I did um, some work experience so I did my dissertation on um, smart card uh, use of smart card in the transport industry this is pre oyster card so oh, basically wow. it was how to do, how to do contactless um, and contact payments and I did it in partnership with HSBC um, at the time so I, I joined I joined them I went to their offices in the summer I, I, I made myself do work experience basically in there I, I joined I, I just sort of um, turned up <laughs> I turned up I told them you know I'd like to do research within them and they, they treated me like one of their staff members and I joined their graduates uh, team so um, I was like a adopted graduate basically within them oh, wow. and I did my yeah and and um, in fact HSBC at that time was um, was was working with um, Hong Kong Transit and they want they were also looking at um, the sort of smart card and contactless solutions in the, the their own sort of uh, underground equivalent over there um, and so the research I did, they, they eventually paid me um, 400 pounds, which was a lot of money yeah. at the time. And I got a distinction in, in, in my um, in my dissertation for that. Yeah. Nice. So, that, you know, so so just that experience there gave gave me the ability, got a reference from them so that when people see, you know, you, when you go try to get some sort of uh, something that is slightly different from other graduates, you know, and when you go for, for job interviews. Yeah. Um, so. And then when I, I moved around, um, but, you know, I didn't, I think most of the time, I'm just thinking back now, most of the time I didn't move around by myself. I either got headhunted um, because the industry is that kind of industry, you know, that um, you, you you could be happy in the job you're doing. You're not looking around elsewhere. You might be trying to look for that next job, um, next, you know, um, grade up within the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then you, you know, so, so that you, you want to move around internally. Um, but then because you're looking anyway to move up and you're probably thinking, what would someone in, you know, the, um, a manager grade or a senior analyst grade, uh, what would they earn? 
and so that you can go to your boss and say you know hey you know i think i'm i'm i've been here two years you know I, i've got all these skills you know i i think i should be you know getting the next pay grade up um but then because you're looking anyway um you're going to be attracted by what's outside yeah you know yeah. and so and so i think from from my point of view and, and i'm now um hiring people myself and i'm not afraid that um to lose staff this is quite um you know i think i want my staff so i want my staff to be comfortable with me and i want them to be able to have a good career and sometimes if it's if um i do everything i can to help them you know to help them signpost with training to help them with um, interesting work um, but sometimes within you know it's not within my power to to and there's just no promotion right there's no you know i i there's no vacancy i can i can set set a business case up to try and get them promoted but you know it's all about economics and the wider business right so it's um so sometimes there just isn't a way but i think i won't hold back staff just because i'm I'm very upfront with them and in my current job um now you know i've had um a couple of staff members that um they found other jobs elsewhere you know and i was um up front with them and and they they're really appreciative and and said you know i'm i've um given you all this training and they themselves said you know they used some of the experiences i gave them to to get that other job and um good luck to them mm-hmm. you know and and they yeah. you know and i think it's it's a case of you know you get people that have the skills and um and and same for myself you know i i think i i'll apply um, and if I if um, it's a two way street as well, when you apply for jobs, it's like, you know, are you one, are they interested in you? And the other one is, are you actually interested in working for that company? Because nowadays um, that make, means a lot more, you know, to, to people um, as to like, do, do they have the same values? Yeah. As me, you know? And if you want to yeah, like, kind yeah. of res- re- represent what that company may be representing or like connotations related to some companies, etc. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. So you know, for for me, I've um, it it's it's a a job that um, I'm you know deeply interested in. Um, I you know read about it in my spare time. I listen to podcasts about it in my spare time. Not just from you know one supplier. I'm, I'm so it's almost my hobby becomes my job. And um, because information security, cyber security, you know, the hackers don't sleep, right? Every day yeah. there's, there's something going <laughs> yeah. on. You know, there's a new there's a new breach, there's a new attack that, that that's going on. And it's because technology moves so fast. You know, you sit there and you use um your 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 computer, whether it's Windows or it's um, you know, Apple products, Safari, um, Mac OS, in iOS, Android. Those software, the the the, the, the software vendors, they, they keep you know, updating it, adding more features, adding more um, things that um, that to help um, make people's lives better. However, yeah. you know, there are vulnerabilities and bugs in them that can be exploited. And so mm-hmm. there's just no, there's just not enough hours in the day for people to, um, you know, to protect themselves. That's why there, there's something called zero days, yeah. you know, where a floor, a floor is found and um, people are starting to, to exploit them before the the sort of good guys get get hold of mm-hmm. it. So yeah. Um, so you had a second part of that question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the second part was kind of: Do you have any experiences uh, from when you were younger working at 
uh, EE or not just EE, any company that you've kind that kind of shocked you as you were younger. Like, okay, this is kind of serious. This is some security. I I need to kind of step definitely, up to this job. Definitely. Right. So, so yeah. So when I was working with EE, um, I was about twenty five years old, and um, um, I was probably the youngest um, person in the manager, at least in the room. Um, they had, one of my roles was um, business continuity manager, as I've just um, you know put in a business continuity policy. That was what I was brought in as a consultant to do, um, and they told me that the um, the previous guy um, had put in this special red phone um, on the desk, and it's the it's the bat phone basically. If anything goes wrong, yeah. that phone yeah. will ring, and um, and about a week later, it rang. It, and we were in a secure room, so we're in a room where um, there's only about twelve of us in there. It's 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 you know it's locked off from um, intrusion um, from from other people, um, and it rings. It's really loud, right? And everyone turns and stares at me, and I th- I picked up the phone and went uh, hello, and they um, the guy said hi. This is um, Elstree Security. So um, EE was based in in Borenwood in Elstree. Um, and then we had a couple of buildings down there, including a call center. So this was the security guard in the call center calling me. And he's saying, um, we've had a bomb threat in one of the floors. Um, I think it was the seventh floor. Um, and people on the sixth floor and the eighth floor have evacuated. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> the people on the seventh floor are, sit, uh, are asking what to do. And basically, there were people milling around outside, sort of in a car parky area. Um, so I thought to myself, right, Reg, this is the, you know, you ha- this is the point where you earn your money. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's turning to you. You're the, you're the, you know, you're the person has to make a decision as to what to do next. Now, what went through my mind was, first of all, it's probably a hoax. Mm-hmm. You know, nine times out of 10, it's a hoax. They... Um, this is the first time we've had one of these. Um, there, so so what? And then the second thing is right. I need to get control of this situation. Yeah. So I'm never going to persuade them to go back in. No, you know, you you, you to control the building, uh, to control human being, the human nature is that, you know, nobody's sort of going to go back. So I said, right, evacuate the whole building, get people in out of the building. Um, to just like a fire, you know, drill. Um, check the floor, walk through the floor to, to, you know, just for cursory look and to make sure that there's nothing obvious um, that's there. And then um, we can probably, and then report back, but we can probably declare an all clear and get people back in. Because the, uh, in my head, it threw in a couple of milliseconds, it went through my mind, I'm not going to get those people back in if I just said it's a hoax, you know, so I have to yeah. evacuate to get things in control and then bring them in in a controlled manner. So that's what we did. In the meantime, got in a car, drove down there. Um, and um, yeah, and, and by the time I got there, they had declared it all clear and everyone was piling back in again. Oh, nice. So um, yeah, but um, j- just remember in those days, we only had two call centers. So 50% of the capacity to handle calls had just disappeared. You know, so there are business impact you know that that i i had to account for but in in terms of later on we had a you know post 
um, mortem around sort of review of you know what happened how can we improve what's what should we do and um, so many things we learned about that after the event um, I actually had um, a, a, a guy who reported into me was the physical security guy and he told me that he's he's ex-military and he said actually um, you know you, we did the right thing but in reality the evacuating into the car park during the um, terrorist IRA uh, times that's actually what they did was that they would put a bomb in the car park they would then tell you to evacuate and then people would evacuate to the car park and then they would explode the bomb oh, wow. in a car park so car park isn't the best place but of course um, you know that that's sort of learning from hindsight um, what we eventually did was we had a call recording we had a process we you know we put in place we asked the we had a script for the staff to ask like so where do you think because the calls are randomly allocated to you know to um, Newcastle or London call center yeah. so you know um, it isn't always like you can't predestine where the call's going to go to if you're a caller into the system so if you're just calling in randomly you might be sitting in you know Newcastle thinking oh I just um, you know harass the staff in there call the call center and you've gone to London so it's actually important to know where do you think you called yeah because you know you, you might yeah. be it might be real but it might be in a different building mm -hmm. completely so that's all these little things that you learn from you know um, just from that one incident yeah, yeah. and kind of a follow-up yeah. question to that is there like any technology that like we kind of have now that you kind of wish you had back in those situations to make your job easier oh so I think technology moves all the time. So, you know, um, even now, if you said to me, you know, is there technology now? I think the, the more um, real-time automated alerting system you yeah. know, would, would, would help now. So um, even today, you know, we have um, too much data, too many alerts. We, we can put all the alerts on all the servers and things like that and... Um, you know, I was talking to Michael earlier this week where, um, you know, we, we, we were listening in onto one of these uh, calls where they were talking about, you know, the the incident. And then so basically getting logs from all the different servers, from your logins, from the, you know, and trying to look for patterns where it would be, I think they call them indicators of compromise. All right. So what you're, what you're looking for there is you're getting all these logs come into a system. You then set up some rules that says, actually, if this happens, or if if your if your network is trying to contact these um, command and control uh, systems, it means you've got an indicator of a compromise internally, somewhere. Yeah. So you know you, it's basically your early alarm trip wires around your your network, and so it's it's all about that. But it's it's more configuring the stuff, you know, and and having more time, more physical time, because you know the hacker just needs to get need to get it right once. Yeah. In comparison, yeah. you know, whereas we we all you know we, we have you know families, right? We we have a, a quality of life, balance, well being, all those things. COVID to worry about still, yeah. <laughs> you know, want to have a good weekend and all that stuff, and and you know, and and they just have to they just keep bombarding you. They can even automate it, mm -hmm. and if you kick them out, you know, they'll just come in again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have to be higher bar than someone else, you know. Yeah. That, and sadly that's that's it really yeah um yeah 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 so we're going to talk a bit about something the 
listeners may not know, which is you are in fact blind. And I guess yep. my question is actually, actually, well, I'm going to read you that part. Sorry. Uh, but basically, we, we, we wanna, we're going to talk a bit about like um, technology has helped you. How has technology helped your blindness? Like, would you be able to do a job about it? So that, type, that sort of stuff. Okay. So something that listeners may not know is that you are in fact blind. So why don't you tell us a bit about your experience working in this profession as someone who is blind? Yeah, thank you. Um, so it's a good opportunity really to let people know that, you know, blind people can work, right? And um, I had a visual, so I was in my late 20s when I discovered that I had um, a sight problem and that um, I, luckily I, for me, I was already sort of in this industry with the knowledge that I had and the, um, and I was, when I found out, I was like, oh my God, you know, what, what do I, how, how do I continue working? What do I need to do? I obviously can no longer drive in, in, in the near future. So what work, you know, do I can I do um, so those elements factored in um, to you know to to I suppose how, how I, I pivoted myself um, to become um, I suppose more more resilient mm -hmm. um, yeah. what I then did was um, I learned how to use um, both at, at a time because it was a, a slow sight loss journey so so you know bits of my retina were dying and so what i did was um i learned to use magnify magnification software um and then later on that had the ability to like invert colors like dark mode kind of ideas now i think where you know sometimes you can actually see better where the background is black and yeah. the text is you know white or, or, or yellow so that helps with um some people's sight loss uh, or you know deteriorating eye condition what i learned is that sight loss is a spectrum so you know some people actually um have like tunnel vision where they can see the center very yeah. well but the periphery isn't so that means yeah. those people um might be perfectly fine with a computer screen but um, when they walk around they can't see things coming in and out on, on the side of their journey um so, you know when they when they walk um the other ones are people have peripheral vision where they and the center's gone so that's the opposite of that um where they can use the side of the the what you know what remaining vision they have on on a, like a large magnifying magnifying um screen um and then when i sort of lost my um my central vision um i adapted straight through to what they call screen readers so yeah. that's um you know if you ever seen so if you've in fact if you've got an apple product you know they apple provides a screen reader built into their operating system both at mac os and ios ipad os sort of even the watch has a, has ability to speak as well yeah so that, so yeah it's it's an amazing you know apple are are very big and it, it's one of the differentiators really for for me um that um you put your finger on a piece of glass and it tells you what's underneath your finger you know so when it moves to the icons swipe gestures everything all 
um, designed from the ground up really um, to, yeah. be, to be accessible. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, and then on, as, as Michael was asking there, the, I use a, a product called JAWS, Job Access with Speech. I am sure they came out of JAWS first and then worked out. Yeah, I was going to say, I had no idea. The, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, that is the, I suppose, the default um, one for, you know, big companies to use because it's got support and et cetera. Um, there are free ones out there like NVIDIA, um, which it, which do um, a screen, a free screen reader, uh, which is um, has come up with leaps and bounds. You know, um, Google, I think, support that. And I think Google on Android, for instance, has a thing called TalkBack as well. So yeah. most platforms all have something similar that, that can support, um, you know, a screen reader. Um, and in my, um, actually, what happened was that I was still sighted, but I, were, I moved to Royal Bank Scotland, which is now a NatWest group. And they, um, when they interviewed me, I, I told them that I was um, losing my sight. And they went, oh, no problem. We've got two blind guys in the security team. And so they were very advanced in, 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 and very relaxed about it because they've had good experiences employing you know, people with sight loss. Yeah. Um, and since then, you know, I've worked, I've tried to, when I've, I've moved to other companies, you know, be a big advocate for, um, you know, improving the recruitment of, yeah, yeah, of, of actual, um, both products as well as, um, as well as the sort of recruitment of staff. Um, and this year I've worked with um, Blind in Business, which is a, a charity to try and get more people into work as well as RNIB. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, to try and again get more blind people into work yeah and and it's just a you know it's just interesting to to see you know I, I read somewhere quite a disturbing statistic that you know one in four blind people are in work um, in any oh, wow. type of work not just yeah so it's quite quite a low percentage yeah uh, there yeah. so how has the use of jaws and technology helped with your career specifically as in has it I mean, obviously, it's been very advantageous, but do you think it's, I guess, lessened the blow and kind of helped you keep up? Or do you think it, it's put you on a level playing field? Uh, so it's, yeah, it's definitely helped me keep up um, the, the awareness of screen readers, especially now. Um, the pandemic, in fact, has been a real leveler um, because what happened was people used to, you know, meet in the office. They would go to the coffee shop. They, you know, if I if you saw someone you wanted to talk to, you could and you see them walk past, you could jump up and go and you know, meet mm-hmm. them or at a coffee machine, that sort of water cooler moment. Yeah. You know, and for me, I don't have that. You know, unless I can hear them wandering around, um, I, I, you know, I have no sort of chance to do that. Um, but what happened was during the pandemic, um, everyone was at home. And so there was no water cooler moment. And the only way people contact each other was through Zoom or, you know, Teams messages. And suddenly I, they were all on par with me. You know, the only way they talked to everyone else was through the computer, which is, hey, that's where I live. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was like fantastic. You know, I, I really felt at home um, and that... Um, and that, you know people are working hybrid working so um, everything then becomes online you, you don't feel like you're missing out because you know everyone is chatting through the same channels as you yeah yeah 
Um, mm. Do you think that um, more companies need to be kind of raise awareness for this? And do you think there still is a stigma around um, kind of hiring people who have disabilities? Uh, definitely, they they need to raise. Uh, I think many people since the pandemic have, um, you know, have, um, have tried to improve. You know, with the the sort of ESG and the diverse inclusion, diversity agenda that people are having um, out there. I think even your, you know, you know, even in Habs where you guys, um, you know, go to school, I saw that the, you know you've appointed a new um, inclusion diversity. Yeah. Um, person, you know, so that's been more and more um, prevalent. Um, And the, I think it's a positive step out there. And many people want to do want to do the right thing. That's the first step. You know, um, when you so things like when you go for a job interview, and they have an aptitude test, you know, is that going to be disabled friendly? Right? Um, You know, is it is can a blind person do it? You know, because uh, if you imagine, if you don't know what an aptitude test, you imagine you're 11 plus, um, you know, where you have non-verbal reasoning, mathematical, like um, things that come up and they're usually timed, yeah. you know, I, with a screen reader, that's going to be really difficult to do yeah. because I would have to navigate around that. But um, I would say, you know, you can put it back onto the on, onto the supplier you know, and say that um, it can be done, you know, if they've got a graphic and you know, it says, you know, a, a box with one dot, a box with two dots, a box with three dots, what's the next box? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a box with four dots, right? Yeah. And so, you know, um, and, you know, for, um, for, you know, and, and there are accessible um, apps out there, very accessible apps out there, and there are, there are crap apps out there. I'll give you an example. I'm going to name and shame now. Yeah. Um, okay. But, you know, um, I tried to play fantasy football, right? Uh, Premier League just started this year, um, and I had a go at a couple of apps um, out there. And, um, you know, you can't even, some of them you can't even sign in without, you know, sighted help, and let alone pick the team, etc. Yeah, yeah. But then I found the um, Premiership, the actual Premier Football um, app was completely accessible so i'm able oh, to continue to play yeah. yeah so so you know it, it is possible you know it is exactly possible a premium app like that uh, duolingo you know i do duolingo um for 2000 something day streak yeah. you know and, nice. and through through uh, various yeah i think it's 2200 soon um but it's you know it's something that they've reviewed over the years they've they've updated uh-huh. and you know so different version and every time there's a version chain i'm a bit scared you know like oh my god am i how am i going to use this but eventually i yeah i get around it and they they do fix the bugs so you know it, it's it's all possible i think there's more and more people out there that are um are open to it and if they and that's the first step right is our companies first of all aware of it then when they know that something's not accessible what are they um, positive towards fixing it and if they can't actually fix it do they have a workaround how positive uh, around it so yeah at work you know i'm allocated a one of the uh, executive assistants um to help me with stuff that i can't visually do myself you know because the systems are on are, are not upgraded and they, yeah. they know that and so you know there are ways around it that um so you can still carry on doing your day job yeah yeah, and I guess kind of for like our final question, is mm-hmm. learning to code important in your field and like what languages 
like programming languages do you see quite often in your field if any if any <laughs> yeah, if any, yeah. <laughs> so i think i think um programming languages are important to understand how like when you when you're thinking of an attack vector or you're thinking of how the code is written um and you know for example you know if there's a log for j um at the beginning of the year you know a a, a vulnerability that's come through where a particular uh, problem has been found or something in a zero day you have to quickly understand what that is where it is so understanding you know how code works you know what are libraries what are open source how they how those things search you know you, you can easily um if you're an in-house developer and you are trying to you know link to a library you sh you know to to bring it through the the code that you're going to call off you i am um, I don't know if people are aware, but sometimes a, a accidental keystroke could mean that you're using a library from an open source internet yeah. based. So, you know, those sort of little things and even how your system behaves, you know, people just learning um, unstructurally like these days, you know, when people just, oh, I'll just watch a YouTube video, work out how to do it, get it done. Actually, um, without the proper supervision, supervision around that, you know, it's, it's a, it, it can be risky. Um, and so it's really understanding how the the concepts of code work the the basis of it um, there is no specific code um, although saying all of that you know if you're in a more operational role where you know if you know how to um, manipulate logs write the logic behind um, as I said indicators of compromise you know how, how to code that into the the rule-based system that you you know your, your um, your SOC, you know, your security operation center rules. Yeah. Uh, that's the level of coding that you need to, to know really about the, just the, that ability to think logically and to program that through. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, today, you know, I've been, a, a lot of apps out there today are about um, configuring, you know, they give you a platform like the Powered platform by Microsoft or the ServiceNow platform, you know, where they give you um, like the framework and the app is already written and then you can you know tailor it of your business logic so you know there's quite a lot of apps out there where there's that's there's a sort of level of logical thinking mm -hmm. yeah. that you need to do um learning excel and all the how to you know how to program excel um charts manipulate data that's probably a basic yeah that everyone needs yeah. you know that that's an everyday skill i think not necessarily work related mm -hmm. well yeah, I think we're gonna end it there. Thank you, yeah. Reg, for asking. Thank you very much. All of our cybersecurity questions. Is there any final words you would like to add? Um, I think you know cybersecurity is a really um, interesting uh, field. Um, it's interesting because it just moves so fast. So you know, and and I think you know if you look five. You know, five i was gonna say five six years ahead but you know five months ahead yeah. Yeah. It, it's gonna be different from now you know especially yeah. with this sort of russian ukraine china taiwan you know issue out there um it, it's gonna be interesting times right there's, there's always a threat to um and, and you know and even that's just nation state let alone you know um gangs and and individuals trying to get you know ransomware mm -hmm. yeah and and it's it's 
everything you know it put it because technology is everywhere it's it's almost um applicable you know in, in all fields all sectors so i would certainly say that you know it, it's not it's a sector you can get into and you probably won't look back it, there's probably enough in there for everyone yeah technical and non-technical as well yeah that's very, but yeah thank you so much yeah that's very no good problem. advice and words of wisdom there from reg uh thank you all the listeners for listening um make sure to tuning in yeah for tuning in make sure to follow us on all of our socials power on underscore pod on tiktok twitter and instagram where we'll be giving live updates on the show and thank you guys for listening